Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. So um, for this morning, we will continue with our series on the Gospel of John. We, uh, uh, we, are, we will be starting with John chapter 15 for this morning. Uh, just so you know, I will be using the NIV version, but feel free to use whichever version that you have. Um, some of you may be wondering why are we still going through John? Well, John is an incredible book, and uh, we started this, I think, in March of 2020, and we're halfway through. So eventually, we'll get through this book. But uh, this book is really good for us to know more of the heart of Jesus, just to know more, and so then we can be more equipped, so we can be able to utilize and apply that in our day-to-day life in terms of what is Jesus teaching to us and what he's telling us. So um, John 15. And just a, a brief reminder, this is a continuation of Jesus' last teaching to his own disciples before going to the cross. Right, this is right after the Last Supper, as you may know that. Uh, he told them that he would be leaving them for a little while. And uh, last week, Vanessa shared that it was similar to, as in for Vanessa and I, when we go on a short trip, right, we're leaving our children behind as we go on a short trip. Uh, when we do that, we would write down, for those who have kids, for those who are parents, um, we would write down instructions for everything, right, from, from the time they need to get up, the time they will go to bed, uh, the daily schedule, uh, what they're going to eat for breakfast, uh, what they're going to eat for lunch, what time do they eat for dinner, what they're going to eat. Make sure we leave enough food behind them, leave all the instructions on how to get in touch with us uh, or in touch with the other adults. And most important of all, tell them that we love them and we will come back. <laughs> Some of us may not feel like we want to come back, but we will come back and we love them very much. Uh, for those of you who don't have kids, you don't need to worry about this because the instruction list is ridiculously long. Um, but that is similar to what Jesus was reminding his disciples because he's going to leave them in a short while. So he's, he's giving them all these instructions on, on, on what to do, and he was reminding them of his love for them and giving them very careful and specific instructions on what, instructions on what they need to do. Uh, we, as parents... Obviously, we can just go, don't leave any instructions, just let them play video games all day and do whatever they want, right, until we get back. I'm sure they will love that, right? Two of them right here, I'm sure they will confirm that's what they will love to do. But that would not be good for them, right? That's what they would like to do, but that would not be good for them if we don't leave the instruction to let them know what to do and when to do that. And when we don't leave the instruction for them, we are not acting in love, so that's why we give the instruction. That's why we let them know that we care about their future because we want them to grow up and be amazing adults, which they are on their way. I think they are on their way. So um, anyway, so Jesus was speaking to his own disciples. Again, this means that he's speaking to us as followers of Jesus. 
So don't look at this. I want to encourage you, which I know you're not, but don't look at this as what Jesus was talking to the disciples. He was, Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us directly as we go on through these chapters. Uh, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Um, so it's worth repeating and re- be reminded that he's speaking to you and I. So let's take to heart his teachings and receive his command as he is teaching to each of us. We'll cover the first eight verses of chapter 15. So let's turn your Bible there if you haven't. Um, John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's pretty absolute. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So chapter 15 starts with Jesus saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. This is a reference to the vine as in a symbolism that to describe the nation of Israel. Uh, the vine is a symbolism that described the nation of Israel for many years, for thousands of years. Right? The, the symbolism of a vine was well known to the Jewish people. That's why Jesus is repeating this. He just didn't, he didn't say that just out of the blue. He knew the symbolism, and he's repeating this because in Psalm, verse eight, uh, Psalm 80, verse 8 and 9, it said, You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. So Jesus is now saying that he is the true vine. I am this true vine that you have been hearing about, all the prophecies, uh, scriptures have been written about. The one true vine that was spoken about, that the he- our heavenly Father has cleared the ground for it. The true vine that has taken root and filled the land. The true vine that contains life that we should draw from. Right, he started out right away. I'm not just a vine, I'm a true vine. And he's declaring himself to be the true vine, which, as I said, fulfills one of the pro- another prophecies in the Old Testament. It may sound far-fetched for Jesus to declare himself as the true vine that God's people draw life from. However, it doesn't sound as outrageous as declaring himself to be the son of God. When you say, I'm the son of God, I think that's really, really outrageous. However, he's reminding them, because I am the son of God, I'm also the true vine. And that's another prophecy. He has already proven through so many unexplainable miracles that he's the son of God. So now he's saying, reinforcing that again, I'm the true vine. And we've seen all the miracles in the first 13 chapters that we've gone through for the last year. Um, Verse 2 goes on to say that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
perhaps a better way to understand the first half of this verse is like anyone that pretend to be attached to Jesus will be taken away and revealed by our, by our Heavenly Father as such. Ouch. You know, when I was reading this, like, ooh, I better have a reality check. I better check myself. Can I say that? You better check myself because if I'm not attaching to Jesus, if I don't remain in Jesus, not only will I bear no fruit, but I will be cut off, right? So as like a, am I a pretender or a bandwagon followers of Jesus? Can I use that term? The illustration of bandwagon, the, I think that will help us have a better understanding of this verse is, is like any bandwagon followers of Jesus will be cut off by my father. So any bandwagon followers of Jesus will be revealed by my father as pretenders and will not be able to draw life from him, which in turn will not be able to produce fruit. For those who are not sport fans, I realize that I'm a big sports fan, but I know there are those who don't like sports. The term bandwagon fan is someone who, who cheer for a sport team when it does well, right? For example, you may know when the Cubs won the World Series and the White Sox won the World Series, but you don't know what else in between, right? They do play like 162 games a year, but you may not realize that until they won the World Series. So that's a bandwagon fan. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Um, so, but the thing is, someone who cheers for the sport team when it does well, a bandwagon, is almost like you cheer because it satisfies your own enjoyment, right? There's, there's, because it, it satisfies you. But a bandwagon fan is nowhere to be found when the team is suffering. So it's the same as a bandwagon followers of Jesus. It's easy to obey his commands when things are going smoothly, right? When our jobs are going well, our relationship, everything is clicking, uh, we're getting favor. But it's a different situation when the rubber hits the road. Like those who don't produce fruit would be through the disobedience of his commands. They will be shown by our heavenly, heavenly father to be the case. Right? As in, they don't need to jump off the, the wagon. That's like the bandwagon. That's what they call it, right? You jump on and you jump off. They don't need to jump off. God, our heavenly father, will reveal to us who they are and he will cut them off. As in, he will kick them off. Um, that was a very challenging verse for me to, to actually check myself. Am I a true follower of Jesus? Am I drawing from the vine that is Jesus? Or am I just kind of attaching to Jesus when things are going well and then kind of like back off when things are not going well? Because we believe in a true living God, so let's be a true believer of Jesus. So that's why it was challenging challenging to that was just for me it was a reality check for me again it's like check myself what do i put my faith in where am i drawing my life from what is making me happy and satisfied and full of joy so so let's not be bandwagon followers of jesus let's be authentic followers of jesus and draw from the true vine follow his commands in all situations and all stages of life I know that some of us that are going through some tough time, and I think that came through, through the songs that we sang, right? Through the fire, in the waters, through the rain, through the wind. But Jesus is still faithful. So when we have an authentic relationship with Jesus, we can withstand all those situations, different stages of life, through the good times and the bad times. So when we do those things, truly draw from Jesus, uh, from, draw from Jesus the true vine, we will be called as those who bear fruit. 
See, that's the good part right there. But those who bear fruit. And I want to take a moment to say in this case, fruit is not money or status or fame. Uh, I, I think nowadays in, in our, the, the world that we live in, it's always about money, right? If you have fruitful, that's, that's money. If, if you're fruitful, that means status. If you're fruitful, that means fame. It may mean those things, but it does not always mean those things. So we have to make sure that fruit here is not financial. It's not finance or status or job positions. It's because Jesus, the king in this kingdom of God, was not about money. He was not about status. He was not about fame. He didn't go about preaching about having more money. Right? I, I don't think I see that, at least in the first 13 chapter of John and all the other gospel. He didn't go around teaching about elevating our status. He didn't go around teaching on how we can seek more fame. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it's wrong to have those things. It's okay to have those things if God put us in those positions. But however, fruit in this case, in this situation means repentance toward God, faith toward Jesus, and obedience to his teaching. And we will bear fruit. And you may know this, and I'm sure you have heard this before. Fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Which is from Galatians 5, 22, verse 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things. Not just one or two, but all these things. All of them. As we attach ourselves to Jesus, the true vine and draw from him. We will produce fruit through our lives, through the things that we do. The branch that bears fruit from pruning will continue to be pruned so we can, even, so we can bear even more fruit. That was another challenging thing. We, we're only on verse 2, and that was another challenging, challenging thing that I saw. God is continuously pruning. I mean, who likes to be pruned? I mean, can I be honest? No one really enjoys being pruned by God, right? To be sharpened by God, to be, to be uh, challenged. By, uh, maybe I shouldn't say challenged. To be pruned by God because he's continuously pruning us or transforming us. We're being transformed so we will continuously bear fruit. Be even more fruitful. Even more fruitful. So just when we think, yeah, God, I'm stepping out of the box, Right? I took one step out of the box. I'm being more fruitful now. But God is saying, I am continuously pruning you so you can continuously to be even more fruitful. Uh, at the men's breakfast yesterday, Mike shared about us not being complacent. Because right? as we step more into the things of God and draw more from him, we will be more fruitful. But that doesn't mean that's where we stop. Right? We may be more fruitful than we were a year ago, but God is continuously pruning us so we can produce even more fruit. So that's challenging. Oh, that could be amazing. Depends on how you look at it. Like, that's awesome. God, prune more of me so I can be even more fruitful for you. For you, God, I can be more fruitful. Because each of us, we want to be recognized by our own fruit. Luke 6, said that, right? Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. So we want to be recognized by our own fruit, and we want to be pruned so that we can continue to produce more fruit. So our fruit is how we live. Our fruit is how we live. God started the process of pruning us once we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This is why Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, right? Because once you accept Jesus, you realize, I can't live the same anymore. 
as I used to. Um, at least it's not for me, and I think for pretty much most of us, we, we just can't live the same like we used to. Once we accept Jesus, right, that's the first step of pruning. And as he's slowly pruning us, we realize, oh, wait, I stopped doing A, but now I need to stop doing B. You know, I, I stopped doing A and B, but now I need to stop doing C. So God is continuously pruning us so we can be transformed more and more in his image. We can truly trust him, just like we sang, the firm foundation. We have faith in him because you have never, never failed us. That's why we want to grow to that place that regardless of what we experience and regardless of what we see with our natural eyes, we know that Jesus, Jesus and him alone, he will never change and he will never fail us. So, so that's it. I, I was already challenged already, just the first three verses. So then verse 4 went on to say, remain in me as I also remain in you. You're going to hear this a lot just in the first eight verses. Jesus keeps saying, remain in me. Remain in me. It's almost like the instruction that I was saying, um, Vanessa and I will leave to the kids, right? If we travel somewhere, make sure you know our number. Make sure you know my phone number. Memorize our phone number so you can call me. So that's what Jesus kind of like doing the same thing, right? Remain in me. That's the easiest instruction that you can remember. Remain in me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So the remain in me in verse 4 is the same as abide in me. Remain in me, abide in me. To remain as one is not to become another or different. That's, that's somewhat challenging too, right? I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just being too honest. I'm just, we're going through this book and I just realized how there's so many shortcomings that I have. Remain in me is like, Jesus, I want to remain in you at all times. On Monday morning, the same as on Sunday morning, right? I'm in the office. I want to remain in you just as I remain in you on Sunday morning when I'm singing and praising to you. I want to remain in you just as I do on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, or Tuesday night, whatever that you guys do for, for your jobs, whatever time that you show up. So he is once again reminding us to remain near him, remain in him, and to draw from him. Jesus, he has already proclaimed his love for us, right? We look at that in, in John 13. He proclaimed his love for us, and he was about to prove his love for us by going to the cross. Now he's saying, listen to me, as someone who loves you dearly, as someone who loves you dearly, remain in me and draw the everlasting life from me. Don't try to do it on your own, right? As we... We know this. Whenever we try to do things on our own, we will get worn down. Sooner or later, we'll get worn down. Can I say that? That's like definitive. Sooner or later, we will get worn down when we try to do things on our own. No matter how strong we think we are, no matter how, how capable we think we are, we will get worn down. So don't rely on us or on someone else or have faith in someone else as they will eventually fail you. They will. Not because they're bad, not because we're bad, because we will fail, because we have so many shortcomings. Anyone else is just a person. What? Except for me to Vanessa, right? Can I say that? <laughs> hey, that was, not, that was not a joke. So remain in Jesus because anyone else will fail you. 
Like for me, I would fail Vanessa. She will fail me. Well, she will never fail me. No, never. But Jesus is someone that will never fail you. So put our trust in him. That's why he's saying, remain in me, reminding the disciples, reminding us to remain in me. Our lives will reflect how we draw our source of life. Right? So that's why Jesus is saying, don't, don't remain in other people or society or culture or whatever. We remain in me, draw from me. Right? I have eternal life, everlasting life. Somewhere else, it's always finite. That life is finite, right? That's the difference between Jesus is selfless because he has an eternity perspective. He's selfless. It's like, well, it's only 2,000 years. It's no big deal. I live like forever. So he's selfless. He's known that it's more than just our time on earth. When we have that perspective, we realize, oh, yeah, it's just a year, two years. When we go through the tough season, it's just three years, five years. It may seem like forever, but with the eternal perspective, we have a different mindset, right? So Jesus is selfless because he has eternal life. If you have an expiration date, if we have, I think we all have an expiration date. If we have an expiration date, then we're a little bit more selfish because we're trying to get as much as we can during the short time that we live. So if we remain in Jesus, we will be selfless. If we remain in other people, our culture, our society, the people around us, that's a different mindset because it's finite mindset. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit only comes through Jesus. So we cannot get it anywhere else. Jesus is reminding us, remain in me. And in verse 5 when he said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we will bear much fruit when we remain in Jesus, when we draw from Jesus. This means that through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we will be transformed more and more into the image that reflects the one who we're drawing our life from. That is Jesus Christ. As we draw life from him, we will become more and more like him. And as he's pruning us and as we're remaining in him through all the pruning, we will become more and more like the image of Jesus Christ because we're drawing from him. Right? As we remain in Christ, as we, he, he said, I'm giving you life, right? I'm giving you strength. You can have my love. You can have joy. You can have peace. It will become so much easier to follow his commands as we draw those things from him. Right? He's, I, we, we've seen this verse. He's giving us his joy in verse 11, if you, if you skip ahead. Right? He said, I'm giving you my peace. That's uh, Vanessa shared on that last week on John uh, 14, verse 27. Right? I'm giving you my love. His love in verse 9, his rest, as in rest from not being troubled. Right? He kept saying in, verse, in chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. So he's giving us his amazing supernatural power through the fruit that we bear. It's rest, peace, joy, forbearance, compassion, gentleness, kindness. So if we don't remain in him, this means that if we're drawing from, like I said, from our world, our culture, our society around us, if we drawing, if we draw from those things, then we will draw our reasoning from those things. We will draw our purpose from those things. We will draw our strength from those things. We will draw our faith from those things and those people. And we will draw our identity from those things, right? Because without Jesus, our identity is our job. I work in the insurance industry. I am not just an underwriter, right? If I don't have Jesus, I'll... Who are you, Hugh? He's an underwriter. But because 
because I draw my life from Jesus, I'm a son of God. That's the difference. That's why Jesus is trying to remind us, remember who I am. Remain in me. Then you will find the identity and you will know that you will not be disappointed because if we remain in other people or other things, we will be disappointed sooner or later. Right? People change. Culture change. Society change. Priorities change. Our moral compass change. The word that people use all the time is evolving, right? We're evolving. Evolving what? Just say we're changing. All those things, if it's not in Jesus, will change. Our behaviors will change. Everything changes. So everything changes and everything will disappear. So when it changes, it will disappear. So this is what verse 6 meant. When, when we don't remain in Jesus, we will wither up, we will be burned up and disappear. Right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So keep this in mind. When Jesus speaks, it's always in terms of eternity. Not just today or three years, or five years. He's always speaking in terms of eternity. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing, as in for eternity. Because if we don't remain in Jesus, there will be no eternal impact on the kingdom of God. We will not be able to make an impact for eternity for our next generation, right? Remember when Jesus speaks. It is always with eternity. When we speak about um, death, it's eternal death. We talked about this. When you speak about life, it's eternal life. When you speak about love, it's eternal love. Like, I love you forever. My love will never end. Like, you can never count. So that's when he speaks. It's about love. So when he say, you can do, apart from me, you can do nothing, as in you can do nothing forever without me. So without Jesus and when we're on our own, we think and we plan in the here and now. Can I say that? Like, we pretty much plan for, like, well, what's going to happen now, right? What's going to happen this month? What's going to happen this year? But when we have Jesus, it's much different when it comes to the, thing, to the things of God. Everything from God is about both the present and the many generations, as in an eternity. Exodus 20, verse 5. Says, but showing me, but showing love. So when we worship Jesus, uh, uh, I don't want to take this quote out of context, this verse out of context. But when we show love to Jesus, uh, when we show love to God, this is what he said. But when you show love to me, I will show love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my command, commandments. So when we love Jesus, when we love God, he will show love to the thousand generations that come after us. Wow. That is amazing, right? That is the God that he talks about. He is eternal. It's not like, well, if you love me, I'll love you for now. But tomorrow is a different story. That's not who God is. He will love us, the thousand generations that comes after us. That's why there's always a concept that I never really understood until I came to know Jesus. It's like, why do all these people that believe in God, their kids are just suddenly are blessed? Why is that? Then it dawned on me, here it is. If we show love to God, he will show love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. That's called generational inheritance. That's a term that you may have heard before. So it's also important to note that this passage is all about us remaining in him. See, Jesus kept reminding us, remain in me. Hey, you, remain in me. Don't forget. Remain in me. Never once did he say that 
I will not be there when you need me because he will always be there. He will always be there. It's just that sometimes we just forget to remain in him, right? Sometimes we forget to come to him. We decided to go to Google instead to search for something. We decided to call an expert, which is good. But we need to remain in him so we can have a direction of where we're going to go. Because he will always be there and will always be there for us to draw from him. Jesus remains in us forever, right? Going back to what I said about eternity, right? He speaks in eternity uh, perspective, eternal death, eternal life, eternal love. I will be with you forever, for eternity. So just as an example, as I shared earlier about um, Vanessa and I, we were going on a trip and we would leave our kids behind. Um, We would always tell them that we are available if they need us, right? Here are our phone numbers. Call me, call us anytime. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm here. Call me anytime. Remain in me and I will let you know what's going on. I will help you get through whatever uh, confusion or, or, or periods or, or, or stages that you don't know what you're supposed to do. Like if you call me at lunch, like, Mom, what did, we, what did, we, what, what did you leave for, for me for lunch? I was like, okay, go into the refrigerator. We got bread, ham and cheese. Make yourself a sandwich. We got mayo on the left-hand side of the door. We got mustard on the right-hand side of the door. We got milk, a one-gallon thingy of milk. I don't drink milk, so they just all the same to me. That's what it, Jesus pretty much is trying to say. Remain in me, and I will tell you what to do. And I will give you life so you can be nourished and refreshed and pursue the things that God I think my battery went off. Oh, it went back on. <laughs> Remain in Jesus. The batteries will keep on running. So I want to stress the point of, of the Jesus has and will always remaining us because he's completely sold out to us, right, in his commitment to us. It is us that don't always remain in him. So that's why he keeps saying over and over again, remain in me. That's why he reminded us again in verse 7, right? When I read through this first eight verses, like remain in me, remain. It's like remain is always coming through. And he's saying that again in verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It's like a repeat of this constant re- remainder. But, and, and it's a repeat of what Jesus said earlier in John chapter 14, verse 13. We touched on this a couple Sundays ago. right? We, as a people, have a tendency to focus on the second half of this verse. Right? Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And lose focus on the first half this verse. The first half of verse 7 is the main ingredient for the whole verse of verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. A lot of time we tend to kind of skip through that part and get to, well, God, you said if I ask of anything, whatever, and it will be done for me. But we need to remember it starts with the first half, right? Without this main ingredient, if I can use that term, This verse cannot continue or it cannot be completed. The second half of the verse is is void, is canceled out if we don't complete the first half without that main ingredient. It's like when you go to the restaurant 
and you, you look on the menu and you order a, a spaghetti meatballs, right? And they bring out a plate with no meatballs. Would you be okay with that? Like, no. No, thank you. I want more than just noodles. Or if you go to sushi and you order a, a plate of something, a roll of something, and they, they brought out just rice and wasabi and soy sauce. I was like, hey, that's not okay. We need the main ingredient. Same thing as making lemonade without lemons. Well, I don't want just water and sugar. I want lemonade. So the, that's why I'm trying to say is the main ingredient is, is what Jesus is trying to tell us. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, whatever you ask for, I will give it to you. But it has, the first part, the first half has to be completed. So we first need that main ingredient in order to make that dish. I love food, so I'm sorry if you guys are sick of hearing food examples. So it is the same as, as we remain in Jesus and have his words remain in us, first and foremost. So the second half of the verse, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The second half of that verse will be like, like an afterthought, right? Is that, do I have verse 7 up there? Um, can you put verse 7? Okay, thank you. So it's like an afterthought because we, if we remain in Jesus and we love him, we follow his commandments and we do whatever he wants, we so we, uh, a revelation of Jesus will grow and grow and we'll be so in adoration of him, whatever we ask will be according to his will, according to what he has called us to do. Those wishes will be according to what Jesus wishes. Whatever we ask for will be according to his words. Whatever we ask for will be according to his commands. And that is to do the will of Jesus. And what is the will of Jesus? The will of Jesus is to advance his kingdom. I know it's not a surprise for us here. The will of Jesus is to advance his kingdom. There's a theology out there that, um, that, that are based on just on the second half. Right? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That Jesus wants us to have a, a good life with no obstacles, no challenges, uh, no growth in our maturity, uh, we don't need to stretch our capacity. That's like a little feel-good theology, right? Just speak it, name it, and you'll get it. I've spoken many things. I haven't gotten any of those things yet. And God is real. So, um, so hopefully, we're in, not in that camp of speak it and name it, thinking that everything is all nice and easy and wishy-washy. Because if I can point to verse 2, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful, fruitful, right? So God continually pruning us. So he doesn't just prune us once and then just, okay, just grow and do whatever you want and I'll give everything to you. No, he continues to prune us. He continues to shape us and lead us in the direction that we need to go. That's number one. Hopefully to discount that theology of of name it and claim it. I'm gonna, probably going to get in trouble. Um, secondly, is we look at an example of Jesus, right? Luke 22, verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Right? He said this before going to the cross. If it was all about, well, if you ask it, I will give it to you. You can see that Jesus did not want to go to the cross, but because of the will of the Father. He went to the cross. So if you think everything is all going to be good and dandy, look at those two things. So Jesus remained in the Father and remained in his words, remained in the words of the Father. 
for Jesus, we look at his example, right? Life was not always sweet and pleasant and smooth, no disappointments, no losses, right? People betrayed him, his friends died, people turned away, people trying to stone him, people curse at him, kill him, put him on the cross. So I, so I want to say that really quick. Um, that was actually a topic for a whole sermon in itself. But I just want to point that out is we need to always remember the first half. If you remain in me and remain in my word, whatever we ask for, Jesus will make it happen. So I want to bring this message, uh, this morning passage into land with verse 8. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So God does want us to bear much fruit, but we need to remain in him in order for us to draw life from him so we can bear much fruit. Because if we don't remain in him, we can't draw life from him. There's no fruit for us to bear. We're going to bear fruit of what's around us, and that's always finite. It's always an expiration date. As sad as it may sound, right? I, I said, I shared this last month. Um, I got this from the show House. Any of you guys watch the show House? Okay, it's a great show, by the way. Um, House said this, if there's no God, each of us is just a bag of sales and waste with an expiration date. So without God, that's pretty much what it is, right? Each of us is a bag of sales and waste with an expiration date. But because of Jesus, because of God, we can draw life from him. That we will bear fruit and continue to draw life from him. And when we do that, our heavenly father is glorified. When we remain in Jesus, that's an extra bonus, right? When we remain in Jesus, our heavenly father is glorified. And when we remain in his words, that's how we show ourselves to be his disciples. Mm. It's not. That's how we tell other people to be. That's how we show ourselves to be his disciple. Because we talked about this all the time, right? Talk is cheap. Maybe it's just me. I've learned that I can be an expert in anything if I read a book. I can talk like an expert. What? Let me think. I can talk like an expert in anything if you can read a book. There's book for dummy for everything, right? It's like how to be an engineer for dummy. I'm sure there's a book on how to be a doctor for dummy, Right? how to be a scientist for dummy, or how to be a fireman for dummy. I'm just joking. I'm sure there isn't. You got to save life. So. Um, <laughs> so you can talk like an expert, but how you show yourself, how we show ourselves is what? To be his disciples. So other people can see that we are the disciple of Jesus is when we remain in Jesus and remain in his word. So Jesus said these things in such a short passage. And some of them may sound like a, a repeat to us, but it's because of his love for us. He's trying to tell us, hey, remain in me. It's important. You're going to get distracted. Other people are going to try to influence you. Other people are going to come up with all these new, new age, cool ideas that sound really good, lovey, dovey, what have you, love everybody, everyone, but remain in me. And people will know that you are my disciples. And he knows that he's going to leave them for a little bit. And he wants them to be as prepared as possible. Right? He's saying the same thing over and over. The reason why is we are his most prized possessions. That's amazing, isn't it? God loves and cherishes us. We are the joy of God's heart. That's Psalm 119, verse um, 111. I'm not making that up. We are the joy of God's heart. 
we are the joy of God's heart. I'm going to say that one. We are the joy of God's heart. That's amazing. Like, I am the joy of the creator of the universe. I am the joy of his heart. If we understand that, catch that, and have a revelation of that, then we realize why Jesus keeps saying, remain in me, because I love you. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not a control thing. It's because I love you. I want you to have life. I want you to bear fruit because I love you. He proved that, right? He died the most painful death known to man. He talked about loving his people. He showed his love for his people through his own sacrifice on the cross. So he's proved it. Now he wants us. Hey, don't just talk about it. This is how you show yourself to be my disciples. I'm going to bring this to an, to, uh, to an end by saying that. So remember, Jesus was speaking to his own disciples. He's speaking these very things to us because we are his disciples. This is how we show ourselves to be his disciples. This is how we show ourselves to be followers of Jesus. And, and these things are to remind us and to encourage us that we are his prized possessions. I feel like Jesus was pleading to us. I don't know if you get that, but when I was reading this, I felt like if you catch the heart of God, catch the heart of Jesus of how much he loves us, just like the example Vanessa gave, like, that just dawned on me. If we think from the standpoint of we're leaving someone that we love dearly, then suddenly, suddenly, it looks very different. Okay, he was pleading with us as if he's telling us, I love you. I'm committed to you. I will always remain with you. I'm about to willingly go through the most excruciating, excruciating death for you. So remain in me. Now, before I do that, please remember to remain in me. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Remain in my words. If you do that, you will know deep in your heart, I will be with you always and give you whatever you ask for. And you will be able to get through anything, right? Just like the instructions. If I tell these kids, these are the instructions. Remain in me. And when they call me, they're not going to want to ask for more screen time, right? Yes. Remember that next time we go on a trip. We will only want to do the things that God wants us to do. Remain in him. Um, just like that example, right? Video games, candies, drinking Coke all day, playing video games all day. Those are kind of like our personal desires as kids, right? They would do that all day, every day, for the whole week. So same thing is like that's our personal desires to do the things that we want to do, the things that we like to do. It's because we, we want to do what we want to do. And sometimes we don't know what's good for us, right? Just like we don't let them do all those things because we know what's good for them. So God is trying to tell us, hey, remain in me because this is what's good for you. Otherwise, we just satisfy our own desires and cravings. And for real, I'm going to end with this verse. <laughs> I just realized I said that a couple times. I'm going to end with this verse from Psalm, um, Proverbs 16, verse 9. It said, in their hearts, humans plan their course but the Lord establishes their steps. So we desire many things in our hearts, and we make plans for, to get all those things. But those things may or may not be from God. However, if we remain in Jesus and his words remain in us, whatever we desire for, whatever we plan for, God will show us the way and will make it possible. Right? In their hearts, human plans their course. We have all this amazing plan, but where is that coming from? Is it 
Are we drawing that from Jesus? Are we drawing that from the world around us? Are we seeing that on TV? Remain in Jesus. So if we want to know where God is taking us or how to follow the step that God has established for us, the best and only way to know that is to remain in Jesus. Hopefully you're not sick of hearing this, remain in me. Because Jesus kept saying it over and over again. Remain in me. Remain in my word. And when we do that, this is for God's glory. And that's how we show ourselves to be his disciples. So, um, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. 